Hello, and welcome to the Alloy Personal Training Business Podcast, a show for people who want to take their personal training businesses and fitness coaching skills to the next level. Team Alloy has been in the personal training business since 1992 and share their insights from working with businesses and brands around the world. Listen in for secrets and tips on running a successful fitness business from personal training, marketing, staff management, scaling your business, and everything in between. If you are interested in having your own personal training business, our systems are well-developed, and we are focusing on very discrete segments which we think are the secrets to success. Now, let's get started with our host. Morning, Rick. How are you, buddy? I'm doing really well. Are you ready for vacation? Absolutely. Yeah, everybody needs a break from everything right now. Would you agree? Break from everything. Break from the big week we had last week. Yeah. It's awesome, man. That's right. First week of franchise training. So shout out to our guys in Summerfield, North Carolina, just north of Greensboro. Mm -hmm. Lara and Kathy and Matt, they're going to be rock stars. So look for them. First alloy facility to open. So we're super proud of them and we're psyched to get our first franchisee up and running. We've got some more sold and ready, but uh, looking for real estate, which is turning out to be a bit of a challenge. You know, it seems like everything right now is on hold. Even... Even commercial real estate, where you know, the general mood is like, do we commit now? You know, it looks like we're sort of up against it. Do we? We're going to negotiate a good deal. The general consensus seems to be that commercial real estate will be much more affordable moving forward, just because of the you know the sort of correction in the market, if you will, or the fact that there's going to be less space mm-hmm. you know, or less people to fill those spaces. So we'll see. But yeah, man, so far so good. And by the way, you guys did a great job. So oh, thank you. Uh, as you know, I only did the first hour of brand overview and rah-rah, and then you guys stepped in and had to do six full days of training. You killed the hour. Great job. Oh, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> hey, I really appreciate that. I spent a whole weekend putting it together, my 20-minute talk. But yeah, anyway, man, I'm pumped about today's topic because things are nuts, man. Mm-hmm. It can feel like the world's on fire. Certainly, I can't remember. I mean, I've been in business 28 years, so I feel like the things we're talking about today certainly apply to our business. And when I look at them and study these sort of concepts and ideas, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, there's some things that we've done well, and there's some things that we could do better. But really, what we're going to talk about are things that, you know, if you want to be in business 28 years in a business where, like a restaurants and gyms, you know, where you rarely make it to five years, right? Right. Much less 28 years. You know, how do you do it? What are the lenses that you're going to put on? And so for everybody that is going to make it out of this, and I'm confident that 70% of so of the health and fitness facilities are going to make it through, which is a large percentage, what do you need to do to safeguard yourself? Mm -hmm. And how do you look at your business and safeguard your business for events like this in the future? That's the main thing. Yeah, the future and right now. Some people may not be doing what they need to right now. Yeah. And hopefully it's not too late, but yeah, listen, we're going to lay it out there. If you're not doing these things, if anything, it will give you a different way to look at the situation, hopefully, and certainly moving forward, a different way to judge your performance as a leader and how you're driving your team to look at your company and eventually your customers as well. Yeah, for sure. Did you like this? Your white claw? Yeah. Yeah. You can't do a podcast without a white claw, right? (laughs) <laughs> Isn't this like the average white girl drink these days or something? I don't even know. Like, this is not that, you guys. It's a caffeinated, sparkling beverage that I grabbed from my fridge at home. So I think it is my 21-year-old daughter's, though, so it might be a White Claw derivative. I don't know. There you go. Yeah, if it is, I'll be hammered. I can't, you know I don't have any tolerance. I can't drink White Claws. <laughs> white Claw wasted. <laughs> I'll pass out. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to pass out, throw up on the table. All right, man, let's dig in. So we're really going to look at, you know that we love the power of three. 
in communication. So today we're going to look at three concepts that you should, how you should look at your business and then ultimately how you should operate your business. Yeah. You want to kind of share how we, how we, where we got these? Yeah. So I'm a big fan of Jim Collins. Now, Jim Collins wrote a couple of really famous books. He, you know, he's, he's had some smaller, pretty significant books since, but the big ones were good to great. Mm-hmm. And then the second one was great by choice. And who, if you haven't read either one of those, I would suggest it. And that's actually the order good to great and then great by choice. And so in both of those books, he lays out sort of stories of real leaders and how they led and how they did it, you know, and a lot of really good concepts that are really often used in business come out of that. And I really enjoyed even more so great by choice because they studied companies that in the same time frame, and it was a long time frame, maybe 20 years, why there were some companies that were 10 X, 10 times better than their direct competitors. Mm-hmm. And, and what were the traits? And I think, you know, you guys are going to be surprised to hear that it's not the things that you think it would be, right? It wasn't being the most innovative. As a matter of fact, that was not it, right? It wasn't about, you know, growing the fastest and it wasn't about being the most relevant and it wasn't about any of those things. And so it's really about that boring, long, slow, one of the concepts we'll talk about 20 mile March. Mm-hmm. And what is that March for you and then how to do that really well? But anyway, both of these concepts come from um, Jim Collins, and I'm in a business group called Vistage. Yep. And Jim Collins did a series of videos just for Vistage. So I think there's one that's publicly on YouTube that we're going to talk about, and the other two concepts are not. They were just sent to my Vistage group only. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let's cool. dig in, man. See if we can help some folks. All right. So the first one is the Stockdale paradox. So what is that? <laughs> yeah, great question. So. There's a guy named Jim Stockdale. He was a POW during Vietnam. So he was in the Hanoi Hilton. He was there for, I believe, eight years. And he was the highest ranking officer in the POW camp. And so, you know, that puts a lot, that's a lot of burden for him, right? So it's not only a burden because he's the guy that is probably going to receive the most torture or, you know, scrutiny and Mm -hmm. communication with the enemy. But he's also still, even though they're POWs, he's still the commanding officer of his troops. So he's got them, you know, to, to look after as well. And they have to look up to him. And so Jim Collins did an interview with Jim Stockdale and uh, he asked him, you know, like, how did you do it? Like, how did you survive this? And he had some really interesting points. He's like, listen, I knew all along that I was going to make it out. I really did. And I knew not only was I going to make it out of this, but this was going to be one of the defining moments in my entire life. Mm -hmm. And I would forever be changed by this experience. And I would be better than I was when I got here, when I came out of this experience and unwavering faith that he was going to make it. But at the same time, he also was very realistic. And so therein lies the paradox. Mm -hmm. So in other words, he knew that the daily reality of that prison camp was going to be absolutely horrible. And imagine the uncertainty that they lived in there. It was like, you could be pulled out at any, it was complete uncertainty. Never knew when you were going to get out. You could be pulled out at any time and be tortured for no reason. You could be told one thing, you know, get your hopes up, which as you know, is super dangerous if you're in a situation like that only to then be let down. And so what he was able to do and how he survived is he had ultimate optimism for the long-term outcome. But at the same time, he was very realistic and a blunt about the exact realities of where they were. And the second question that Jim Collins asked, you know, Stockdale was, listen, you know, who didn't do as well? Like, how did you do well? And then who didn't do as well? 
And he's like, it was a surprising answer. He's like, well, that's easy. It was the optimist. He's like, let's say someone was so optimistic that no matter what, we're getting out of this thing by Christmas. Surely by Christmas, this will be over, right? Mm -hmm. And it was sort of blind optimism in a lot of ways. And then, of course, Christmas would come and go, right? And they would be heart, literally heartbroken, yep. devastated, and it would break them mentally and physically in some cases, because as you know, those two things are, are intertwined. And so what Stockdale was able to do and how he tried to lead his men, even in the POW camp, was to say, we're not getting out of here by Christmas. Don't fool yourself. We're not. At the same time, be ultimately optimistic, because at some point we are going to get out of here. And when we do, we are going to be better people for it. And it's going to become the defining story of our lives, but it ain't happening by Christmas. Right. right. So cool your jets a little bit. It's unwavering faith that you will get out, but be grounded to the day and be able to deal with that. To the realities of the day. Right. And so if you look, if you take that Stockdale paradox lens and you put it over what's going on right now mm-hmm. for small businesses, right? It's like a lot of people are in forced shutdowns. We were lucky. We were forced shut down as well, but we were the first state to be able to reopen. So we're in our fifth week already, right? And things have actually normalized. It looks great. So, you know, we were lucky in that case, but there's a lot of people who, and not only are they, were they forced to shut down, but there's uncertainty about when you'll reopen. You know, I have friends in the industry that are building lobbying groups like Frank Nash. I'll be on his podcast for his lobby group in Massachusetts because restaurants are open. You know, all these things are open mm-hmm. except no gyms. Right. And it, then the date keeps getting pushed back. Minnesota, you know, no dates. Yeah, L.A. pushed way back. And so it's not only the um, the fact that you're forced to shut down. So if you look at that through the Stockdale paradox, there's this horrible thing that's happening to your business, mm-hmm. you know, which is like a living entity to you if you're an entrepreneur. But there's also the uncertainty, right? So you don't know if you're getting out by Christmas. You don't know if you're opening by June 1st. Or you don't know if you're going to have a chance to open by the end of July. Mm-hmm. So when you take that, his Stockdale's lens and put that over what's going on right now, it's super relevant because you have to have unwavering faith that you're going to make it through this, right? That your business is going to be okay. And in a lot of ways, if you do, it's going to be a better business. Mm-hmm. Un- not unlike Stockdale coming out as a different person, you're going to be a completely different and better business if you make it through this. But the fact is the cold, hard fact, the reality and the paradox lies in the fact that between now and then it's going to suck. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to make really hard decisions about personnel you're not going to make as much money. You may have to change your business model. You may have to renegotiate your rent. You might have to shrink your, you know, shrink your model and do what Alloy's doing and go to small group personal training because that boot camp you're running just isn't relevant in a post-COVID environment because you can't socially distance, whatever these things are. So that's the lens that you have to put over your business right now where you're the paradox is the ultimate faith. And this is something you have to pass down to your team mm-hmm. as well. Like we are going to be fine. We are going to make this and we are going to be better, stronger when we come out of this thing, right? Stronger together, literally. But meanwhile, it's not going to be easy. I'm not going to lie to you guys. It's going to suck. It's going to be weird. Clients are going to be odd. You know, they're going to come in. Some are going to wear masks. Some people are going to tell you, tell us we're hurting people. Some people are going to say we shouldn't have ever closed. It's not going to be easy at all, but that's the paradox. And that's the world that we have to live in. And I think when you look at our business, we went through 9-11 mm-hmm. and we grew. You know, we came out of better business, period. We went through the stock market crash, 2008, 2009. We grew a little bit, but we came out of better business every single time. So certainly this one is the most impactful for sure of anything we've been through. At the same time, I think if you understand this paradox and you understand what the other side of this looks like, you almost relish it in a way. 
you know, Stockdale was also a, uh, a fan of the Stoics. And as I am, I don't know if you know, I don't think I've ever even talked about that. Basically, the premise of the Stoic philosophy is that control what you can and don't worry about what you can't, right? So that's essentially what Stockdale's saying. Like, this is what's right in front of us. Today is going to be scary. It's going to be uncertain. It's going to be hard. But we're going to, but ultimately, we're going to be okay. And the Stoic is the same thing, right? Just again, a basic premise is control what you can control, what's right in front of you. Don't worry about what you can control. But ultimately, if you control what's in front of you, you're going to have a positive outcome, whatever that outcome is, right? You're going to be better off than you were. That's great. Yeah. So that's the idea. Uh, and that's a really good lens for everyone to put on their business right now. So started out with Stockdale Paradox, which I thought was really important. Mm-hmm. What's our next one? The next one is productive paranoia. Yeah, it's kind of an odd name for it, but productive paranoia, the way that Jim Collins explained this in the video was he used an example of, again, wartime, you know, because mm-hmm. again, never is there more, you know, tension and leadership examples than during a, a wartime, right? So Winston Churchill in 1940, you know, Germany, the Nazis had decided to turn their attention west and they were pushing their way through France. And so Winston Churchill said to the French, we're going to commit, we're committing to help you. They had committed to come in and try to help them in any way that they could. But at the same time, there was this overwhelming desire, as it should be, to what, in his words, protect the island, which is you have to protect the UK. Yep. So he went to his commanders and he said, okay, listen, we're going to commit as many resources as we can to help France, you know, to fight the Germans. But you know, we need to protect the island. So how many squadrons of aircraft do we need to protect the island? It's just in case that Paris fell, right? France fell. Again, it goes back to the Stockdale paradox. You're sort Mm -hmm. of hedging your bets. Like you're hoping that you can go to France and you can beat back the Germans. Mm -hmm. If you can't circle the wagons, what's, how many squadrons are we going to need so that Germany doesn't cross the channel and basically turn, you know, the UK into, you know, the next Berlin. What do you need to have a business at the end of this? Exactly. So, hit the nail on the head at the, our lens, what is your 25 squadrons, right? So what do you need to protect? And of course, as history, as we know from history, you know, Germany did run right through France, Mm -hmm. right? And then when they did, they had held back 25 squadrons was what the commander had come back with. We need 25 squadrons to protect the island. And lo and behold, you know, the Germans blew through France and started to attack the Battle of Britain. You know, mm-hmm. they're flying these aircraft across the channel and the British are taking their 25 squadrons and they're going right at them, right? And I think that's where the famous quote came from, right? Never have so many offered so much to, to so, so few. few. Yep. yep, exactly. And um, and it was about the airmen of the British, you know, army or a British aircraft that were able to hold off the German attack. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, then the, that held them off long enough for the Americans to enter the war. And then we all know, you know, what happened after that. Go America. <laughs> but to your point, Matt, the challenge and what Jim Collins says in the video is like, what is your decide on what your 25 squadrons is, mm-hmm. meaning what do you need to preserve if, you know, okay, so this thing jumps off, you know, this virus jumps off. Yep. What do we need to protect to make sure that, you know, we can survive? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, we have this optimism, we need to survive this thing. So what is that? And sometimes it can be cash. Like literally, I mean, that's the obvious one, right? Right. How much money are we going to need? How long is our runway? And you can't do this with blind optimism. You can't just say like, well, we're going to make it, you know, and not understand what that really means. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how much cash do I need? Is it people? Right. Sometimes it can even be brand equity. You know, do I need to, um, you know, what do I need to do to make sure that 
you know, my brand looks good coming out of this or, you know, certainly in, a, in, in what else we have going on now, right? Because mm-hmm. now we have, you know, protesting and things and, and rightly so. But, you know, where, where's your brand stand around those issues? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes brand equity is what you're going to circle the wagons around, right? But it's really important to decide, like, what do you really need to do to survive? And that's your protective circle. That's the moat around your castle. And you don't break that. You stick with it. And, and that's, you know, again, it's a great lesson for us to learn about, okay, Stockdale Paradox, this is going to be hard, you guys. It's going to suck. No doubt we're going to make it, but let's be realistic about the facts of where we are. Right. Then for you as a strategic planner, all right, great. What's our 25 squadrons? What do we need to take care of to make sure that we make it through this thing? Cash, people, resources, brand equity, whatever those things are, right? Yeah. That's some tough questions when you have no idea when it'll be over. Like, when are you actually coming out? You got any advice for that? Well, I think if you if you go back to the Stockdale paradox, it, you have to understand that it's going to be a grind, mm-hmm. and that's not enough either, right? Just to survive is not the goal, and that goes back to productive paranoia. So, one thing that Churchill said, he didn't say that we want to survive this, like that Germany's going to come in and bomb us into oblivion. All we want to do is make it through. He never said that. Mm-hmm. He said, no matter what, nothing short of victory. And so you can still be that optimistic. Like we are going to win mm-hmm. in whatever that win means, right? So that's kind of the idea. It's like, listen, we're going to circle the wagons because these are the things that we're going to need to win. And you might as well plan for as long as you have to plan. I mean, I know we don't know how long is it going to take, six months, eight months, whatever that is, right? right. I don't think with, with the unknowing part, there's no way we can plan around that. So you just have to have a, some cash reserves. You have to keep key people. Right. But you also have to be realistic about that as well. You know, is it 25 squadrons or is it 10? You know, keeping everyone on full boat because you just read an article that said as soon as this is over, all your members are going to come running back into your gym might be blind optimism, not realistic optimism. It's not that grounded. You got to be in the moment kind of thing, right? Exactly. You have to fully understand what you're going through. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. 100%. So, but yeah, those are the first two. So get your expectations aligned, be ultimately optimistic. And then circle the wagons. What's your 25 squadrons? What are you going to need to do to survive? Mm -hmm. And not just survive, but I would say just like Churchill, like, what are you going to do to win? Because I'm not interested in just being in business, you know, barely, right? Mm -hmm. And not paying the bills. Like, I want to win, whatever that means to me. I think this goes back to a little bit of something we've talked about, too, is Simon Sinek's idea of, like, infinite games, that a lot of companies are in the wrong game. They don't know the game they're in, and they're playing a finite game meaning we want to be the best at blank or we want to be number one in this category where I think the infinite game says that we want to provide as much value to people that are either our franchisees for us or our members of our gyms or clients of our gyms as possible. And if we do that, we are in this for the long game and we've done a good job of that. We've been here 28 years and we don't look anything, our business structure, our pricing structure, how we service clients, what we do. It doesn't, the nuts and bolts don't look anything like they did in 1992 but the general principles are the same. And we always know that we're doing the right thing. People need coaches. Exercise is never going to go out of style, right? How we service it and all that. Yeah, that, that can change at any time. Mm -hmm. But that's to me, the lens that we put on, you know, on on how we're going to win. So I don't just want to like make it through this. I want to win and to win is to stay in business and to stay in business. You do have to hit certain metrics and you do have to make money and you do have to you know, be able to pay people well and, and all the things that go along with that. Mm-hmm. So I can ramble on this, but does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Right. It's awesome. Great. <laughs> I think they like it when you ramble anyway. No, I don't know. Man. <laughs> well, it's you, good because I do, some, I do it all the usually time. Usually some nuggets that come out of those rambles. 
All right, you ready for number three? Yeah, final one. Yeah, final one. Fanatical discipline. Yep. So fanatical discipline, in the book, Great by Choice, there's a phrase in there that I always use. And a lot of business leaders, if you want to use that word, use this. And it's called the 20-mile march. So in the book, he talks about two Arctic explorers. And the I don't remember the other guy's name. The one that did, I think it was Ardmanson. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation. But basically, they're racing to the South Pole, right? And one of them, Arminson, uses this technique that's now referred to as the 20-mile march. And so it's getting up every day and doing 20 miles. Now, this, this doesn't matter if it's like horrendous, horrible winds and, and freezing temperatures, and I mean, as it was, obviously, or whether it's a nice clear day when you could make more progress. Because mm-hmm. the natural inclination, and I've heard there's a lot of phrases around this, like, get while the getting's good or strike while the iron's hot, you know? Right. And so you'll find that you need to surge at a certain amount of time in your business, right? And that might mean, well, a good example of that surging might mean overextending, right? So I was listening to a great podcast today, and it was a restaurateur, and all the metrics leading up to this, right, had told this lady that everything everything was aligning for her. And she was making money, good money, in all of her different restaurants. And she had a formula for how she would do this. She would purchase the property, and then she would leverage personal cash from the other businesses to fund the building out of the new business. And this is in the millions of dollars, right? Mm-hmm. But it was okay because it was all basically a cash flow formula, right? So it was like, well, I'm cash flow poor now, or I'm cash you know, poor now because I've spent all this, but this cash flow that I'm always coming in, it's never going to go away from these restaurants. It's going to build my reserves back up and I'll be fine. And this is my financial formula. Well, lo and behold, COVID hits mm-hmm. and the restaurants are shut down. And she's planning on opening five restaurants in 2020. So imagine you have five restaurants, some are under construction, one just finished like a month before the shutdown. She trained 200 people. It's like three, two, one, ready to launch. You're shut down, right? No money. Not only no money, but all the personal savings that she had, all that cash that she put out that now would be in her, it should have stayed in her 25 squadrons, right? Per that point, it did not. She, her formula worked when the getting was good. And so when you look at the 20 mile March, the 20 mile March is, and and I'm knocking her like, listen, it was a good formula and it probably looked great on paper and who could have predicted, right? But at the same time, it's a great lesson. You know, I hate that it had to happen to someone, but it's a great lesson to say, well, you know, if you're on your 20 mile March, right, then you, then you keep your 25 squadrons, right? You don't go with that formula. And then you fanatically, whether the weather is good or the weather is bad, you only go 20 miles. And the end of that story, because I'll get distracted, is that Arminson, he did 20 miles every day, whether the weather was terrible, you know, or the weather was not. The other explorer, I think my Scott might have been his last name, but I'm, again, I might be, I might not be um, remembering that correctly. But they did it the opposite. So if it was great weather, they might go 40 miles, right, or 50 miles. And then if the weather was really horrible, you know, they might like circle the wagons and just be like, Ugh, and they're beat up from the day before. And mm-hmm. we'll just stay in the tent today. Right. So it was sort of this surge and back right, and surge right, right, and yeah. back. It wasn't the discipline, no matter how shitty it was or how, like, can you hold yourself back on a nice day? Meaning when you're killing it in your business, can you hold back a little cash? Are you going to overextend yourself or can you hold back? Right. Or when the weather's terrible, are you going to just circle the wagons and do nothing? Or are you going to continue to 20 mile March? Right. So, Arminson ended up getting there first, you know, a few days or hours even before the other explorer who was completely disheartened to find that he had been beaten to the South Pole. Mm -hmm. And then he and his whole crew perished on the way back. 
right? Jeez. From exhaustion, from that push. And so it's this surge and back and surge in this erratic sort of biz behavior right? mm -hmm. or plan, very similar to what people do in business. You know, the business is great. I'm going to open three locations. I'm going to leverage myself go, to go, the go, teeth. Go, 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 I'm going to leverage mm -hmm. myself to the teeth. I mean, look at the housing crisis, right? Which yeah. crashed the market. It's like, yeah, well, I could just, you know, I could take the equity in here and then flip it into this house and just keep going. And I'm leveraged to the teeth. Market crashes. You know, here we are. My balloon loan is due, right? <laughs> I can't afford to make my payments anymore. Everyone's defaulting on loans. The whole thing comes crumbling down. So, very similar here. And when, when in good to great, when they studied the companies that did 10x better, again, they weren't the most innovative, they weren't the most creative, but they were fanatically disciplined in the sense that they all did their 20 mile march. So, as your company, you have to decide what is your 20 mile march because re regardless of whether you're in a pandemic, right? whether you are in times that are amazing and you're making money hand over fist, you have to stay disciplined to these. And a lot of this comes down to just metrics in your business. So for us, it's like, how many leads do we need? How many of those leads need to come to the gym? Of the ones that come to the gym, how many do we close? What does our retention rate need to look like? Those metrics don't change. Right. And it's really hard for leaders to get caught up in the energy and or lack of energy or paranoia of a situation and make rash decisions. Mm -hmm. Like we're not doing anything for now, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this, or I'm gonna do that. And, and you're just knee jerking to the situation. When if you look at this discipline of the 20 mile march in our business, you should still be marketing. We continue to market even when we were closed. Why? Because we need a certain amount of leads before we can get a certain amount of shows. Maybe those shows mean they're only showing up to phone calls now but they still have to show up in a close. Maybe you're closing them into a virtual membership and not closing them into a, a live membership in the gym. It doesn't matter. That's a fanatical 20 mile March. And guess what? Just like the Stockdale paradox, this kind of sucks right now, like trying to figure all this out, you know, but I, I'm 100% optimistic that, you know, I mean, I have faith in humanity, right. In general, mm, yeah. that we're all going to come out of this. I think we're going to be a better nation. I do. I think we're going to learn a lot from COVID. Certainly what's going on with the quality and what we need to do there. I think, I think it's a really good opportunity. And I think manhood will do what I think we can do, which is I think we're going to come out of this stronger. But when we do, and if something amazing happens and there's this, you know, like rainbows and sunshine, you know, period of days, we're still going to 20 mile march. Mm -hmm. right? I'm not going to open 20 more gyms or do anything crazy during that time and get overextended because you just never know. Right. And when you look at that, you think, oh, well, that's kind of boring. Well, yeah, it's about doing the boring work every single day, whether times are really, really hard or whether times are really, really easy. Don't overextend yourself when they're easy. Don't throw in the towel and give up when they're really hard. And if you do that, again, which proven and great by choice, the companies that do that are 10 times more successful than the companies that do not. Right. So do you ever run into that? I mean, in your early years, maybe we, uh, things are really going really good and you pump on the brakes or... No, I, I think honestly, and I'm usually am the, the one to be my worst critic, but I think this, these are things that we've done pretty well, I have yeah. to say. I mean, I, I think that, you know, that I've. Because you can't be around for 28 years if you don't. <laughs> well, exactly. Especially in the fitness business, right? right? How to stay relevant. And it's not about being the coolest and the slickest and, you know, the fanciest no, and the smartest. And you, again, some people grab lightning and it, it, they make a run at it and that's great. But again, if you go back to, infinite games. Like my goal is to make money and be in this business mm -hmm. forever. And I'd love to leave a legacy and have Alloy be here long after I'm gone, whatever that means. Right. Well, to do that, you can't get, things are never as good as they seem when they're going well. And by the way, things are never as bad as they seem when they're going bad. So if you take that sort of stoic philosophy and you look at Sockdale paradox and productive paranoia, right. And then fanatical discipline, 
you're going to be fine. You really are. But you have to, the, the hard part is doing the boring, grinding, really important work every day with conviction and also getting your team to do it. Part of that is metrics though, right? So we can't get away from the fact that like, even though we're playing an infinite game to stay in business and make money and make people happy and change lives, you still have to, there still are metrics that need to be met. Mm -hmm. So the 20 mile March, a lot of that is what we just talked about. Keep those metrics alive, even when times are tough. And then make sure you reel them in a little bit and keep those metrics alive, even when times are great. Right. Right. So, and that's hard to do. That takes, again, it takes fanatical discipline and it takes real leadership to like rein your team in when things are going well. We should do this. We should do that. Yeah. Well, I would say that, that if people are in real trouble are the ones that say things are going really, really great, they maybe never experienced any bad times and they may not even be measuring <laughs> anything at all. I mean, why do you, I'm going awesome. I got it. And then now they're like, uh oh, but what do we do? <laughs> well, and I, I think. What we've done well, even as a licensed licensure company, is when we talk to people, it's just about it's about the twenty mile march. Always, right? mm -hmm. it's always you know, it's there's always these big ideas. What do you think about this? And you know, could could this change you know our numbers? Could this drive you know more engagement for training if you're a big club? Or could this be like what's the latest digital marketing you know campaign or strategy for you know my studio business? And all of those things are important. But at the end of the day, we're always just asking the same questions. It's like, none of that matters unless, okay, well, do you need a new digital strategy? How many leads have you had last month? How many of those leads came to your gym? How many of those signed up for something? What was your retention rate last month? Right. Normally, if we can just get those high level metrics and hold people accountable to those, I can tell you where your problems are. And you're not 20 mile marching because you're chasing every squirrel that runs through the room. It looks exciting. And everything that you've touched has turned to gold because the market is great and any Honestly, you're only good as you have to be, which I've heard somebody say that. So if the market's great and you're making money hand over fist and you're doing all kinds of wackadoodle things to do it, to you, that's the normal. But like you said, if you haven't experienced it yet, welcome to the real world. Right. That shit doesn't last, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> so stay on your 20-mile march. Stay focused on the things that are important. And then you are in the infinite game, right? So mm -hmm. there's finite games within the infinite game. So stay on your your uh, fanatical discipline, You know, plug away, Stay with your metrics. Make sure your team is chasing those same metrics that they also understand what we're doing, right? Because mm -hmm. it can get boring and it can get redundant, but there's beauty in the ability to execute those things over and over again. And it's proven in large companies and small that if you can, I mean, hell, we've been here 28 years and I'm not the most exciting dynamic guy in the world, but by gosh, I'll get up and plug away at the basics every single day, right? Mm -hmm. And it's paid off. You know, we've been here 28 years. Well, it's not just small companies, big companies as well. Jim Collins proved it in his yeah. book. So- I hope that helps everyone. Again, three lessons directly from his his mm -hmm. uh, teachings or his books. But I loved him because when I I hadn't studied these concepts until everything happened. But when I looked at it, it's probably one of the few times I've been like, well, that's pretty cool because I think that we do those things pretty well and we could do them better. And now I'm even more convicted to these concepts and I hope they help everybody here. And I think it's the right way to look at your business during a time of chaos for sure. Yeah, for sure. It's awesome, man. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it, Matt. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Alloy Personal Training Business Podcast. If you have any questions for the host or are interested in learning more about running a successful personal training business of your own, please reach out and say hello. Connect with us at www.alloypersonaltraining.com and sign up for our free newsletter to receive additional resources.